the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. Bulk shipping companies are enjoying a resurgence in freight rates while they can. The Baltic Dry Index is at its highest level in more than five years, and daily charter rates for Cape Size vessels have grown threefold this year. Cape Size earnings are now at their highest level in 14 years, as iron ore shipments, predominantly from Brazil to China, have bolstered rates. Still, that's not necessarily a signal of a rebound in global industrial demand over the long haul. Instead, these are gains driven by Brazilian mining giant Vale's resumption of iron ore after a series of fatal mining accidents closed down output for several months. Capacity also remains tight, but that will change as vessels currently being retrofitted with scrubbers to meet new emissions rule return to service. Joining me to discuss the prospects of uh, this summer's hot dry bulb market, we have a special guest who is uniquely positioned to offer us some insights. It's John Michael Radzivill, Chairman and CEO of Sea Transport Maritime. Welcome to the podcast. So let's start with the you know the big picture. You're a, you're a happy man at the moment. You've been proven right. The bulk markets are booming. What do you think driving that? Have I got that right? Is this a, is this a temporary blip or are you slightly more uh, positive over the long haul here? I am much more positive over the long haul here. I think we actually have a clear line of sight into a very good uh, market relative to anything we've seen for the next 18 to 24 months. I say the next 18 to 24 months because that's when new supply that's not already anticipated can come into the market. But the reasons being on the supply side, you do have the temporary supply reduction from the scrubber ships. Those installations are taking a little bit more, a little bit longer in most cases than expected. So that will also kind of help on that side. At the same time, we have to remember that we've had over 25 pure capes scrapped in the first half of this year too, and those aren't coming back. On top of that, we have an old uh, Vlock fleet that will also have to go too and yes it will be replaced by new buildings but those are more than sustainable the way we see trade growth going on the iron ore front i think we'll be surprised to the upside by exports from the brazilians and from the australians and then from every other sort of nook and cranny as as one could put it that produces iron ore just because of where pricing is and i think Pricing can even go down 20 or 30 percent, and you'll probably still have this production, just be, this kind of production and exports because of the cost basis that most people have. And that's the iron ore side. Then on the coal side, remember, we've seen Chinese coking coal imports go up 22 percent year on year. And I think that continues. The reason why that continues is because there's a lot of steel demand in China. Not so much steel exports either, which shows that the Chinese are actually using the steel. And there's an argument to be said that that will continue because as a result of, call it the lull in um, economic activity in China due to the trade wars, they'll stimulate and the best way they can, the most effective way they've had to stimulate is through infrastructure. So we're pretty positive on Chinese coal and iron ore demand. and. We're on top of that on the coal side, we're seeing a lot of long haul coal going into China too, um, especially from Colombia. 
Then you move over to India, which was a sleeping giant. Now that's all coming to fruition. There's a huge infrastructure program there, which brings a huge demand for iron ore and a huge demand for coking coal. On top of that, there's still a lot of demand for thermal coal for power generation. So those two, call it demand mammoths for the dry bulk uh, market, they seem to be going on very well. And then also you have all the ASEAN country growth, starting with Vietnam, which is growing at an unbelievably high per capita rate. It's not as big as China or India, but it's not as big of a country. But it shows that there's still a lot of infrastructure development out there. So demand looks pretty good. And then when you move down, I mentioned before about the trade wars being temporary. So what will happen there, and this is for the kind of soft commodity demand, is that if they don't get sorted out, and by the way, I think they probably will, and that'll probably be around election time, you'll have new trade routes start to be established. So that minor bulk demand that we were missing, that's going to come back too. And again, on the supply side for Panamax and Dell, it's very manageable. So I actually think right now is the time to buy. I mean, this is the first time that I can remember that you have a clear line of sight into a very, very strong rate environment going forward. So I think it's, it's up to the owners to keep it going. And I always say this, we've got to price your cargoes correctly. Remember, this is your time. You've been waiting a long time for this. So grab every cent out of every cargo, right? And at the same time, if you have an older ship, scrap it and don't order any new buildings. On top of that, the best thing we can do for our market and much more importantly for the environment is to slow down the fleet. So if we continue to be disciplined with the supply and with how we price our assets in the spot market and time charter markets, we can really have an unbelievably good market that will surprise everyone to the upside. So I'm, I'm very optimistic and asset pricing looks very, very attractive uh, on the buy side basis, all of that. Thank you. That's a fairly comprehensive overview there. I mean, it's fair to say you are one of the industry's cheerleaders and, and, and an optimist by nature, I would say. I mean, I'm thinking back to when I saw you on stage last Posidonia, two years ago, June 2018. You were up there with uh, you know, some of the giants of the, the bulk sector. Philippe Louis-Dreyfus, chairman of Louis-Dreyfus, he was standing next to you and he said, and I'm quoting, Cape sizes are very dangerous and getting more dangerous. You lose a lot of money and you will not make money unless you speculate a lot. Now, I seem to remember you disagreeing with him quite vociferously. Fair to say you probably won that argument in the long run. Now, that's good. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to sort of, you know, see whether you can continue this bull run in terms of forecasting. But relying on the twin factors of uh, your peers and ship owners uh, injecting some discipline into the market and the trade war, which has pretty much uh, outpaced any predictions anybody cares to mention on a near 24 hour basis, seems to be uh, fairly shaky ground for optimism in the long haul, surely. Fair enough, but we live in hope as a ship owner. And to start off with Mr. Louis Dreyfus, um, I, I would just like to say that his slow speeding initiative is something that is so important for our industry and so important for the environment. And we at CTM and uh, most of our, all of our managed entities are behind him. And personally, I'm very much behind him because I think the most practical and efficient solution to reduce emissions of, uh, by shipping. And we move to the question of whether ship owners remain disciplined. Well, 
I hope they can this time. And I think they probably will because pain plus reflection should equal progress. And we've had a lot of pain and we've had 12 years of bad market to reflect on. So we can remember that we can progress and we can have a good market and we can get our money back. So I am optimistic that ship owners will do that. But if they don't do that, the big damage they can do is via the new building market. We still have 18 months. I think with the trade wars, as you correctly say, it's an uncertainty and a political risk is something that is just almost unquantifiable. Having said that, all these goods will need to move. There's still demand for them globally. So if it doesn't go from the U.S. to China, it will go from other parts of the world. And you just have new routes that will be established. For example, Brazil to China with grain, Argentina to China with grain. You could see those routes growing, which actually on a ton mile basis, they'll help the market. So I think it's by definition temporary and it's whether the U.S. and China come to agreement or new trade wars are established. Either way, all that cargo is going to move. And at the yeah. same time, on the supply side, we've got 18 to 24 months. I mean, just briefly back on the question of you know, ship owner discipline when it comes to new building orders. I mean, this is probably the first test we've had of a market this hot, which is obviously going to tempt some people to look at new buildings. But in a market where probably access to finance has been more difficult than I guess at any other point than, you know, where the opportunity has come out. So the question is, you know, do you think it is different this time? Do you think there will be a restraint due to A, finance uh, access, but B, also past mistakes? Or do you think, you know, the institutionally short memory of shipping will just uh, mean that we repeat our same mistakes over and over again? I think the first hurdle will be the pricing, will be pure economics. First of all, I think there's going to be enough money that's going to come into this market if we're smart about trading our vessels, and we will be smart about trading our vessels, is going to be the pricing differential between a new building and a secondhand ship. And right now, there is no way you can make the financial argument the way our secondhand ships are priced and new buildings are priced that it doesn't make more sense to buy a secondhand ship. So economics 101, your new buildings keep getting pushed out. On top of that, of course, there's capacity out there, but there's a lot of demand for new buildings in other sectors. And rightfully so, there's a huge LNG carrier demand and there's been a lot of orders. There's still a lot of crude oil tankers being ordered and there's a lot of container ships being ordered. So putting all that together, I think we should be surprised not to see too many new buildings rolling in too soon in this in what I'm fairly certain will be a very good rate environment. And what about the uh, the current supply constraints? I mean, obviously, scrubbers are having an impact, but they're going to come back into the market. I mean, is timing an issue there in terms of where you see these retrofits taking place and, and how quickly they do come back in? Yes, it's always an issue. Less supply, the better. But as I said before, it's taking a little longer than everyone expected to install these scrubbers. I think a lot of operators and you're going to be surprised with the operational complications of the scrubber. So you're going to have people who maybe didn't properly understand the operational issues behind a scrubber. They probably understood the economics very well. But a lot of shipping, 90% of shipping is operations. So... I think you'll also have hiccups in, in the scrubber fleet 
and that will also reduce supply. And as those ships come rolling back, I think you've still got a pretty big uplift that Valley can come back with and produce more cargo. So my point is, I think the cargo demand that's coming online, and let's, let, let's say the scrubbers are going to be for the next six months, the big installations, right, till the end of the year, to be ready for 2020. I think the production from Valley especially will come on exactly after that and probably absorb up that extra supply pretty quickly. Okay, let's just focus a little bit on the on the potential risks, not just to the capes, but the, the smaller sizes as well. You're obviously very active in Supras, and uh, I think you've got a couple of Ultramaxes. What are the big potential risks to the market beyond the, you know, the discipline factor? You always have a black swan risk there. I don't know, you have a, some sort of a economic meltdown. I don't really see that on the cards. I think governments, central banks, etc., are going to be ahead of that, and we're not going to have a complete collapse. Beyond that, it's very difficult to see because the world is growing. You've got a lot of development to go in Southeast Asia and India and in China. So all of that on the demand side, it, it looks pretty positive. I mean, I'm not giving a lot of negatives here, but I, I honestly think there aren't too many right now for a change. <laughs> You know, as somebody who's hosted this podcast for nearly a year now, uh, it, it's it's just so surprising that we're actually talking about positive things. Uh, you know, normally it's it's war, you know, global warming, the negative side of the industry. But to, to have a positive podcast, this is a rare thing. So let's make the most of it. Any final thoughts before we close up? For all the ship owners out there, let's be disciplined. Let's keep slowing down our ships. Let's not order new buildings. And... When you look to price your ship in the spotter period markets, price it correctly. This is your time to get your money back. I said the same thing last summer. The market consolidated. It's doing it again. And this time, it looks a lot stronger. Wonderful. John Michael Radziville, Chairman and CEO of Sea Transport Maritime. Thank you very much for joining the Lois List podcast. 